I'm Brenna, a certified sex expert and sex coach who is passionate about human sexuality, female empowerment, and helping people develop the sex life of their dreams. I'm Brian, certified relationship coach, eager to share my unique relationship experiences along with a rich history of sexuality to coach you through your personal journey. And you're listening to Sex on Your Terms. Being a non-monogamous couple who often talks about our fantasies, wants, and desires has us maybe a tiny bit jaded as to what is normal in a relationship, and especially when it comes to asking for what you want from your partner. So we're going to talk about that topic today. We're going to talk about our pasts and also just our thoughts in general around how you can truly do that in your own relationship. First, we want to say a very big thank you to altplayground.net. For those of you who are listening, who are currently lifestyle folks, it is absolutely the place to be. And if you're considering getting into the lifestyle, it's a great place to find non-monogamous resources like podcasts, videos, and communities from amazing clubs, promoters, and content creators. So head on over to altplayground.net today to check it out for yourself. They actually just completed a merger with Love Voodoo, meaning even more sexy people on the platform. So it is the perfect time to check it out for yourself. So before we get into our topic today, Brian, I have a sex in the news from your state, the state that you lived in for many years. Yeah, yeah. And one in which we talk about a lot because it's a huge lifestyle state. And for those of you who are not familiar with our other podcast from Port Swingers, we're actually getting on the road here fairly soon. We plan to spend quite a bit of time in Texas. It's one of those things where uh, we have potentially even talked about moving back there at some point. Yeah. But I got to be honest... A lot of their ideas about sex are still a little backwards. Well, there's a lot of backwards thinking in a lot of places. I don't want us necessarily to make our determination about where we end up solely based on that. Although, no. you know, like in a lot of uh, a lot of parts of Texas are very different. You know, Dallas is absolutely the most conservative large city in Texas. Austin, the most progressive, no question about it. Um, you know, so there's a lot to... A lot to consider when you, you talk about Texas. It's a big place. Yeah, and I also don't think that uh, this article is specifically talking about Texas, obviously, but it is certainly not an isolated issue. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so what we're referring to is the Texas Tribune put out an article this week talking about the fact that the Texas Public School Board, the Texas State of Education, approved the schools in Texas to start talking about sex ed beyond just abstinence. So before this, that wasn't a thing. And if you stop right there, it sounds amazing. Yeah, woo, that's a win. That's a win. Good job, Texas. It's obvious to me that the legislation in Texas had to make, everybody had to to give some concession, right, to get to where they eventually ended up. Because if that was the end of the story, that's a gigantic leap forward for the state of Texas. Absolutely. However, that's not the end of the story. It's not. They also agreed to completely eliminate all LGBTQ issues from said sex education. In other words, they are still only teaching heteronormative sexual education in their schools. Yeah. So what you've got there is that is the brainchild of both sides of the aisle in the state of Texas. Quote unquote, coming together. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) what they consider coming together and making some concessions. So it's like, yes, we have to update and augment sex education in our schools, how far do we go? And that's as far as they got. Yeah. Now, again, had you stopped at, (laughs) you know, sex education beyond abstinence, huge win. 
Then, of course, you got to throw in the idea that we're strictly going to speak on a heteronormative level. Man, you just left a lot of conversation out of that whole, the whole topic. So we were actually just talking about an article this morning that said that 25% of the population now identifies themselves as either bisexual, pansexual, or homosexual. Yeah, and I, and I would argue it's larger than 25%. Probably, but so. either way, one in four people identify themselves as something besides heterosexual. Yeah. So that's leaving out a huge part of the population in terms of sex education that means something and really matters to them. Yeah, so for every four kids that are in a classroom... One of them, at minimum, is kind of left shit scratching their head. Confused, yeah. Or even worse, being told that like how they feel and, and their sexuality is not valid and they shouldn't feel that way, which is very damaging, in my opinion, for someone that age. Or even more important than not valid, it simply isn't, it's just not right. Yeah. You know, you're, you shouldn't feel that way. That's what you're basically telling you know, a younger person. that you, don't, you should not feel that way. What you're feeling is wrong. You need to adjust your, your feelings and your sexuality. And that's the kind of thing that just... It takes you throughout the course of your life. Yeah, I think luckily, especially with solid parents who are sex positive, there are resources outside of schools that can yeah. be available to LGBTQ teens. Yes. And I, I think you have to tap into those things because it's literally your only option. Yeah, the you know, listen, schools are fundamental. I mean, clearly there is a place for them. Although from my experience, I am a huge advocate Provided you can do it, you have the means to do it. Homeschooling is a, is a really nice option in a lot of states. And Texas happens to be one of the best for homeschooling in terms of the laws. It's a very homeschooling-friendly state. And, you know, you've got to step outside the school. It's School is not there for that purpose, unfortunately. They're really not. That's not the purpose of a school anymore. Well, and based on this article, no offense to any, if we have any educators in Texas, but... I think that it's proof, and it, the same is in Montana. We live in Montana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I looked up the sex education practices here in Montana. It's almost identical to Texas. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. we've been teaching something beyond abstinence only for a while. It's like, finally, get yeah. on board with that. But uh, yeah, I still think that there's a long way to go in terms of, of truly understanding what it means to be sex positive, especially for teenagers. Yeah. And I think this a lot of what we're talking about right now is going to kind of lead us into what we're going to talk about today. And that's really just coming to terms with your sexuality. And as we discussed earlier this morning when we were preparing for this show, I am convinced, of course, that it is a generational issue, a large generational issue, uh, not uh, the least of which one of the causes would be education, the education that you received, you know, growing up. And it, it's a big part of it. There's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the, the, I should say the main topic for today is asking your partner for what it is you need. And a lot of times your sexuality can get in the way of that. For sure. And so one of the things that we talked about a lot this morning as we launch into this topic is the idea of people your age being so different from a sexuality perspective than people my age. Yes. So my experience with sexuality, even growing up in Montana, has been very sex positive and very pro 
the ability to choose your sexuality and the freedom to express that without fear of ridicule or losing your friend group or any of those things. I went to school as in college in a very progressive town in our state, very progressive and going to drag shows and being surrounded by wonderful gay men and lesbian women who taught me so much about like just being open to expressing your sexuality was kind of the catalyst for everything for me personally. And I think it also speaks to, you know, I'm 30 and I have a sister right now that's just starting college and it's way different even for her than it was for me. And what you see is this constant evolution of people being more willing to just be like, hey, this is who I am. And if you don't like it, tough crap. But it's very different for people your age. it's, It's night and day. You know, we talked a little bit about this this morning as it pertained to friends of mine that are my age, you know, the folks that I either grew up with or grew up with as an adult, basically working with as an adult. And as you mentioned with Texas, I spent the better part of 30 years there working for primarily one company. And I made a lot of friends that are lifelong friends. And, you know, the guys that I worked with and and spent all my time with, they're very different from me. They're, we're all in about the same age range, you know, 50 to 60, let's call it. Right. And <laughs> the idea of how I live my life and what my sexuality is like by comparison is it's virtually night and day. And most of them cannot wrap their heads around it. It's not possible for them to understand how we live, what we do, what our trajectory is. It's just a foreign concept. And a lot of it has to do with very steadfast beliefs as they were growing up as children. It just sticks with you. And they don't have the ability to pivot or don't want to. Or don't want to come to terms with it. Certainly don't want to admit that they have sexual needs outside of what is considered normative. Yeah, and I, we spoke a lot this morning about why that difference exists between generations. And I think a large part of it is media, is television, it's For movies. Sure. I think there's much more normalization in terms of just what was once considered quote-unquote alternative is now not necessarily so alternative. And so I think that's part of it. I think another part of it is these values, these family values that were instilled in people your age that didn't necessarily trickle down to my generation. Well, the idea of a nuclear family now is really very abstract. But let's It doesn't let, really exist. No. But let's dig a little bit deeper because the one thing you and I did not discuss, and we did talk a little bit about cultures, right? I grew I was born in the 70s. I grew up in the 80s, obviously. And by the time you were born, I was an adult. Right. So let's talk about the 80s, for example. It's the AIDS era. So anyone my age that grew up during the 80s, has a, there was a stigma. Attached know? to homosexuality. Yes. Yes. Attached to sexuality outside what is heteronormative, period. If you are not a male, female, heterosexual couple and displayed yourself as such for a very long time in history, you were ostracized in most circumstances. Do you think the AIDS crisis had a lot to do with the transgender community as well? Because it seems like in the beginning of the 80s, there was this uptick in people coming out as transgender and around not necessarily acceptance. I think we're finally getting to that place now, thank goodness. But I think you just saw a lot more of that in the beginning of the 80s. And then when the AIDS crisis really got into full swing, that seemed to shift for a long time. Yeah, the, the you know the idea that you were homosexual or that you were bisexual or in any way other than heterosexual prior to the AIDS epidemic, you were still ostracized. You weren't necessarily immediately accepted into most circles, 
And then the AIDS hit. That epidemic took over the world, not unlike COVID. Yeah, people and were terrified. 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 Because it went, and again, like anything else, I didn't understand it, didn't fully understand it. And that changed how most people viewed homosexuality. You were instantly on the outs. You right. weren't even considered human in many instances. I was very fortunate, as you know. I grew up in a very understanding family, a large family, and I have many family members who long before the AIDS epidemic were openly gay. Right. So I was exposed to it early. It was very accepted in our home. It wasn't unusual to have gay friends and family. So it was, for me, it was like, oh, AIDS, yeah, got it. And on with my day. For most of the kids that I knew that I went to school with and then as I got older, it was not that that way. They were very hesitant to discuss. They certainly, you know, I have no gay friends or you know, all my friends are straight or I only hang out with straight guys. And it's like, okay, sure you do. You think you do. Well, I would also assume, and granted, I was not alive during this time and you were not in the lifestyle during this time, but I would certainly assume that the AIDS crisis had a lot to do with the lifestyle as well. Well, you it, saw it shut down the lifestyle. <laughs> you saw a huge, I mean, the, the roar in 70s in the it lifestyle, the down. key parties and the... Shut it down. All of that seemed to come to a halt in the 80s. Yeah, it shut it right down. Anything outside of one-on-one sexual activity for a decade was just squashed. Yeah. Squashed. And it, it's understandable to some degree because no one, no one truly understood what was happening. It's that type of thing that you end up, most people, particularly my age, end up not being able to shake over time or being unwilling to do so. You know, I think you also get comfortable with a certain mindset. It's not that you're not well, able to get past it. It's just like, well, that this is what I know. And it just is what it is. People are very quick to find a position and stick to it. Yeah, it's safe. I don't have to... If I don't change my position, I don't have to explain myself. Yeah. I don't have to justify myself. This is just who I am. That's how I've been my entire life. And that's the way I'm going to stay. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Right. Just easier. You know? So I do think that generationally, it's that's a big part of it. There's no question. I mean, I can think back, you know, as, as I think about some of the folks that are that are in my family or that are family friends who were not as gay friendly as we were as in my home. You know, I think, yeah, you know, those people are, they're, they're probably still that way today. Right. You know, there's very little change in their mentality. Uh, and it's unfortunate because one out of four of them have bisexual, homosexual, pansexual, some other form of sexuality have some tendencies that they simply cannot come to terms with. Yeah. You know, their own psyche simply will not allow them to come to terms with it. Well, yes. And that brought us to a conversation around people in our community, as in not the lifestyle community, but where we live. Because, and this is certainly not just our community. No, but it's, it's, no, it's certainly not. It's absolutely... It's more, I guess, I don't want to even know, I don't even know that obvious is the right word, but it's very much a topic of conversation throughout our community because it's a small community. And when something like this happens, of course, it makes front page news. And like what you're referring to, of course, is the underground, so to speak, kind of bisexual, homosexual world that exists in our, in our town. It's because, I mean, it really has become like a a constant topic of conversation. Like there are constantly rumors going on of places that are kind of these hotbeds for men. Yeah. For men to meet other men, whether it's because they're bisexual or homosexual, but either way, they don't want their families to know. They don't want their business partners to know. They don't want their clients to know. And therefore they are going to these clandestine meetups at places like locker rooms of gyms. It's a big problem here. 
and hot springs and those types of things. And, and it's and rest areas on the highway. Yeah. You know? And one of the things that we talked about, and we had very different views on this. And after speaking with you, I completely saw it from a different perspective because for me, I'm like, well, how far do you have to take a lie to be willing to go to a, you know, a rest stop and or behind a department store and apparently. hook up with a dude rather than just be honest with the people in your life? And you went, hold on a second. It is not that easy. Yeah. When you consider the kind of one of the images I put out there for you was, you know, imagine someone my age, you know, maybe a drop older who's been married for two decades or more and has a couple of two, three kids and they have jobs and careers and homes and families. And this entire time, your entire life has been built around the heteronormative relationship between yourself and your partner. There has been no deviation from that whatsoever. Certainly no communication because more than likely as a couple, they're not communicating effectively anyway, as we know from statistically, this just isn't a thing. And one of the the least of the things that they talk about is sex and sexuality and sexual needs. Right. So my point to you was how tortured must these guys be, for example, to be willing to meet up behind a department store, to meet up in the gym steam room, to meet up at a truck stop basically on the side of the road and risk that as opposed to telling their partner. And then you take it a step further. Is there a part of them that wants to get caught? Because getting caught and being outed is easier than saying to your partner, hey, we need to sit down and have a conversation. I need you to try to understand where I'm coming from and be non-judgmental for a moment and have that conversation. It's much easier to get caught, right? (laughs) Because now you're the victim. You're a victim to some degree. I got caught. I got arrested. I was indecent in in public. I'm going to lose my job. You become sympathetic to some degree, right? And and how many times do you think someone's going to say, well, it's a sickness. Something's wrong with him. He's not himself. He hasn't been himself. He's under a lot of stress. No, he's bisexual. Or he has bisexual or homosexual tendencies that he's never been able to address before because he didn't think it was okay to and he was afraid to. Well, I think once you get caught, it's like a criminal, right? Somebody's on the run for 20 years. How many times do you hear it? When they finally get caught, they lead, They just let out a sigh of relief like, thank you. Most of the times they thank the person arresting them like, man, I could finally just take a breath. I just feel much better now. Yeah, I'm going to prison for life. But man, this this secret was tough to keep, you know? I would liken it to the same thing. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's obviously not just bisexuality and homosexuality. That's something we were talking a lot about this morning because of this perceived issue that's going on in our community right yeah. now. Yeah. But I think it relates to a lot of things in terms of wanting to tell your... You know, we talked about also these very taboo ideas that maybe have nothing to do with your sexual orientation and have everything to do with just your sexual preference. Yeah. For example, the one that immediately comes to mind for me, and it's something we actually get a lot of emails about, is pegging. Yes. And and really, it, what's really interesting to me is anything related to a man having some sort of anal penetration or anal play performed upon him is seen as gay. Or somehow less than masculine, for sure. Well, there, there's, I believe there's a lot of the population out there that hears, oh, a man likes to get pegged and therefore he must be gay or he must be bisexual. And because of that stigma, I can't imagine how much it would worry me to go, okay, I really like being pegged as a man. 
or, or I want to be, I have this fantasy, it's something I think about all the time, but if I go and tell my partner, what are her assumptions going to be? Is she immediately going to assume it means that I want to be anally penetrated by a man? Well, yeah, and, and, and take it a step further. Does that mean that you've already been anally penetrated by a man and you just don't want to tell me and you've been cheating on me this whole time and you've been gay or you've been bisexual and only now are you trying to test the water with me kind of thing? It, it, it puts all kinds of thoughts in people's minds, these negative thoughts yes. as opposed to just okay you're just coming getting in touch finally with your sexuality and this is something you want to explore right you know that's that's a tough conversation to have yeah it really is yeah. and i mean we're presenting maybe more extreme circumstances than a lot of people you i mean this can drill down to anything literally anything uh, you know i think a lot of times the reason people don't want to bring up being in the lifestyle for example with their partners is because they're concerned that their partner will immediately go oh so you've been cheating on me this entire time absolutely yeah that's not a conversation anybody wants to ever have yeah you know and it, and and so what do you do instead of opening yourself up to that conversation you just bottle it up yep. and you're just an unhappy person in that respect and we know i know for i know from experience not just my own but familial experience that that trickles down you know i think to a family member that i was i've been very close with my entire life or not close to my age he's close to my age about three years older than me and we grew up together and hung out together and chased girls together and did all those things and he was married for many years and had a couple of kids he's gay i had to tell his wife listen this is I, you know i can't keep this secret anymore this is who i am and i'm gay and now he and his husband are happily married and it caused a huge issue, you know, obviously between he and his ex-wife. Uh, she was not understanding about it. It was not something she could wrap her head around. It was an ugly thing. And, well, of course. You know, it was difficult. But this is a guy that was in his 40s. I mean, that's a that's tough. Well, also think about it from her perspective. Think about she feels feeling betrayed. like you lived a lie. Yeah, she feels betrayed. She feels like he lied to him. But the truth of the matter is, I don't even he you know he didn't even know he didn't understand his own feelings, and that's what we're talking about right now. How can you truly understand your feelings when you've been taught your entire life to that is not how you're supposed to feel? Right. That that's not normal. You don't you don't feel that way. Just don't you don't understand that's that's not right. Right. You know, and and that's what he was taught until finally physiology simply takes over when it's like, no, nah, this is not, I'm not this person, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's just what it is. Yes. And I, I think one of the other things that we have been talking a lot about is this idea of being vulnerable enough with your partner to say what you want. And I think we are now in a position where it feels really easy to do that. Like, yeah. I know that I can come to you and say pretty much whatever I want. And I know I'm not going to be judged. Right. I mean, you already know I'm bisexual. So, and you already right. know that I'm non-monogamous and, and all of these different things. So there is very little at this point in our relationship, if anything, actually probably nothing that I right. could imagine coming to you and telling you about my sexuality, about my sexual proclivities, whatever, and being concerned that you would judge me, that you would ridicule me, that you would want to leave me. And yeah. we're we are very much in the minority within people in general in that regard. Yeah, we're, we're way past that. You know, the conversations that we've had as of late, not that it's new, obviously, for us, but being, a, and, it, and it's hard, it's difficult for me to, to, not to commiserate with other guys, but to, to truly understand how difficult it must be because I, I no longer have that issue. I can tell my partner anything. and I. But and, you didn't always, and, and I I, that's what I yeah, want to talk about. I wasn't about. always able to do that, and so I understand what that's like to a large degree, but I also understand what it's like to be able to do that. And the, you know, the cathartic piece of that is so immense that, you know, I encourage anyone 
that is in a situation where they are in a relationship, particularly men, men of a certain age, men of my age, you're in a relationship and you feel like you can't, if you're in a relationship in which you feel like you cannot tell your partner and convey your true feelings to your partner as it pertains to your sexuality, particularly that relationship is doomed to fail anyway. So you may as well just lay it out there. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. I think a lot of times, especially... From my experience, that's all I'm saying. I think a lot of times what happens, and we hear this constantly with lifestyle couples, constantly, is they are the, the... For example, in this particular situation, let's use the example of a man. They are so terrified to present how they really feel about something to their partners that has to do with sex that they don't for years and years and years and years. And then they finally gain the courage. There's that tipping point that happens, whatever it may be, that one pivotal moment that makes them go, I have to get this off my chest or I'm going to explode. And they do. And they're met with a completely different reaction than they thought they were going to receive from their partner. They're met with either, yes, I've been thinking the exact same thing, let's do it. Or they're met with, okay, let me think about that. And it's, I think that right there is proof that you spend so much time worrying and bottling things up completely unnecessarily in a lot of situations. Now, what you're talking about is different, which is they're worried that they're going to bring it up to their partner and that relationship is going to explode or implode. But like, do you really want that relationship? Well, that's my point. And my, to, to stress my point, what I was getting to is if you're in a situation where you don't believe you can tell your partner, for example, if you're a male 50 some odd years old, you've been in a, a long-term relationship and you you have sexual needs, whether that's to be ethically non-monogamous, to, be, to, to explore bisexuality, whatever it may be that you think you can't convey to your partner. If you don't ever convey it to your partner and you live that lie essentially is what you're doing your entire life, to me, that's a fail. You failed. Whether anybody ever finds out about it or not, that's a failure. If you tell your partner in a thoughtful way, in a constructive way, and it blows up in your face, at minimum, you have relieved yourself of the kind of undue pressure that only people in that situation can understand. Right. And while it's not ideal in the immediate, I firmly believe that it will be later. And I am living proof of that. I am, again, four times divorced. I have had lots of relationships, most of which have failed at my hand, 100%, because I've always been restless less than content in my relationship, forthcoming, certainly. And until you finally decide one day, you know what, I am not doing this anymore. I'm just simply not going to be able to do this anymore. And you open yourself up to someone like you and I as, as as my partner and say, hey, these are the things that I've been wanting my entire life. This is where I'm at. I don't know where you fall in these categories, but I just want to lay it out there. And being met with no judgment and in many cases excitement about the opportunities to explore these things it is life-changing and i and i encourage people to really give that some consideration for keeping it all in so what i wanted to get back to is how it was in our previous lives because like i said we are maybe a little bit jaded isn't the right word we are a little bit we don't have the best or most realistic view of relationships in general because our relationship is very different from the norm. And because of that, it is sometimes hard for us to empathize with people in these situations. And so as we were having this conversation, one of the situations that popped into my mind was a situation in my past with my, my ex. I was married at one point and 
I had been fantasizing about BDSM for years, for years, probably since, if I'm being completely honest with myself, since I was a teenager. Sure. I had been fantasizing and thinking about it. If I had a solo like masturbatory session, it was usually around something related to BDSM. It was just this thing that constantly weighed on me. And yet it took me years into a relationship to finally bring it up. And I was fairly certain that my partner was not going to be receptive to that. But I got to the point where I was like, I have to get this off my chest. I just have to do it. And I remember going to a sex toy store in the town that we lived in at the time. And I had a straight up panic attack in the car waiting to go into the sex toy store. So different than I am now, right? Right. So different. (laughs) Now you can give them instruction. But at the time I'm sitting in the car, I'm literally having a panic attack. I can't catch my breath because all I think is once I go in there and buy these items and bring them home, it could change everything. Yeah, there's no turning back. Either for the better or for the worse, but either way, it's never going to be the same. And that's all that kept replaying in my head. And of course, I'm going through every possible scenario of what he may say to me. And it was almost overwhelming. It really was. And I finally got up the courage to go in and buy them. I brought them home. I laid them on our bed and I just sat in the living room. He came home from work and was like changing and stuff in the bedroom, saw the items and came out and just just literally said what the hell is this yeah and that was the immediate moment that i knew i had messed up i had well but did you though in that moment that's what i thought i had messed up i had been too honest i had i should have just stuffed it all down jump the shark now of course on the other side of it i realized no like that should have been the moment that i said hey i need this this is something i need we need to have a real conversation about it yeah but I was terrified. Well, that's one of the things we talk to the couples that we coach about this particular subject. And when you, and when you say we don't, it's difficult for us to empathize. It's, you know, we say that tongue in cheek. We get it. We understand it because we've both lived it. But the truth is, like the scenario that you just painted, the way I look at it is you laid it out on the bed very literally and said without verbalizing it, these are the things I need. This is the, uh, this is the, the entry point to the things that I need to be sexually satiated and to have a fulfilling relationship, particularly on a sexual basis. And I need from my partner, I need validation, I need acceptance from my partner. And the minute you are met with that type of response, which of course could be a knee-jerk response, right? He was not prepared for it, right? for sure. Had never heard you speak of it, probably. Also, maybe not the best way to bring it up. Maybe not. Maybe not. But it was certainly passive-aggressive enough that he got his attention. (laughs) But his initial reaction was visceral. Like, okay, so this stuff means that she's not happy with with our sex life and I'm not satisfying her. Immediately just took it as as a personal attack, for sure. Right. Right? Instead of internalizing and going, huh... That's, I, we need to have a conversation about what all this means because maybe I don't even identify some of the stuff on the that you've laid out. Like we need to talk about what all this is for and yeah. what's the you know what's the end game here. And instead of being open enough to have that conversation, what you got met with was anger, jealousy, frustration out of really a lack of understanding, and that's just going to go downhill. Right. You know that's just not how you respond to your partner. Opening up, because that's what you did. I mean, I, I realize that you just kind of left them out there for him to find, but you opened yourself up. I mean, it, there's no going back from that. No. You know, and we, we tell people all the time, we understand that you want to say these things. You want to open up to your partner about these things. You want to talk about being ethically non-monogamous. You need to explain to them that this is what you need. However, you cannot unring that bell. When you have done that, you have to be prepared for what is going to come. Yes. It is either going to be met with, as you said, it's judgment-free, 
it's a maybe not quite understanding, but needing to consider it and really take it all in and, 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 and get a handle on it. Yeah, just a willingness to understand. Or it's going to be met with instant rejection and judgment and it's going to be ugly, but you need to be prepared for whatever that's going to be. And you need to be prepared to accept the consequences of that because there is no going back. Right. You know, and, and, and then a decision has to be made, right? If you had been met with, hey, this is interesting. Tell me about all of this. That probably would have carried on into some very healthy discussions at minimum and not maybe some healthy sexual activity. Instead, what happened? It was met with judgment and disdain. You instantly shut down. Never and that talked was be- about it again. That's the beginning of the end. Yep. And that's it. Yep. You know, and, and it absolutely was because every single time I found myself wanting to do it again, it, I would be like, "Nope, not even going." Well, then there. you have a, then you have this built up resentment. Yeah, right? I mean that's what you've got. Absolutely. So every time something happens, completely divorced of this of that, it's like. And by the way, you also judged me for this. Exactly. So, you know, that's a lose-lose. Yeah. It just hangs in the air oh, until the end of eternity. Yeah. I had a dollar for every time I did that to myself. So, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not healthy in any way, shape, or form. But what is healthy is having enough... There's courage involved. You have to have the courage to, to share those things with your partner, whether you're laying some stuff out on the bed and hoping for the right reaction, or you're sitting somebody down over a cup of coffee going, hey, this is, I need X, Y, and Z. I, I know we haven't talked about this before, and I know it's a lot to take in. I just know that I need these things. I've known it for a long time. I've just been afraid to, to say it. That's a critical moment, and it takes a lot of courage. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think the biggest learning lesson for me through that experience, and now especially knowing what I know via our relationship and being surrounded by lifestylers and all of these things is you also don't go from zero to 100 in these situations. Like yeah. whenever someone reaches out to us and says, hey, I really want to get into the lifestyle, but I don't know how to bring it up to my partner. I don't, we never recommend, we'll just say it to your partner. Right. We, we recommend like, or we ask, I should say, are you already having discussions about sex? Do you already have a healthy sex life? If not, what are you doing right now to improve those things? What are you right. doing to show your partner that you really care about them and value them? All of those things make it that much easier, not only for you as the instigator to go to them and say what it is that you need, but also makes the other person more likely to hear it from a place of positivity because they're going, well, we have this amazing relationship and he or she or they constantly show me love and affection and caring and generosity. So I need to respond in kind to what they're telling me right now. You're so much more likely to have success in those moments if you you have a solid, stable relationship. And I think that that's what a lot of people fail to realize. They often think, okay, I want this thing and I'm not getting it. I can't verbalize it to my partner and therefore I'm just going to kind of give up and I'm going to sit back and I'm going to coast along on this relationship and we're either going to get to the point where I just spit it out one day or we're going to break up and that's just all there is to it. Yeah. It's it's a fine line between couples who are who who we speak to particularly who want to get into the lifestyle and have healthy relationships and maybe even a relatively healthy sex sex life and they have sexual appetites that are healthy. And then they say, we want to get in this lifestyle. Okay, well, you can't use us as examples because this is a marathon, not a sprint. And we're sprinters. We're thoroughbreds. We're fast (laughs) out of the gate. So we pull the trigger quick. So you can't use us as an example. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. So don't rush into anything. You really need to have some discussions about 
what that relationship might look, what your relationship might look like once you've entered into this world. Sure. You know, how many times people have come to us with, we've been thinking about it. We really want to do it. We just want to, we just want to get involved in it and just jump right in. It's like, hold on, pump the brakes because you cannot unring that bell either. You know, start out slow, start out flirting, start, you know, those kinds of things. Do not just jump right into it. And you have to be able to sit and have open, cogent conversations about what it all looks like for you. And afterwards, whatever the experience may be, you need to have those debriefings. What did you get out of this? What did you garner out of this? What didn't you like about this experience? Those are things that people really need to be able to wrap their heads around because those are things that you're going to do in this lifestyle. Communication in any relationship is key. You can see that and read about it in any book that's ever been written about relationships. That is tenfold in a relationship that is based on ethical non-monogamy. Or anything outside of the norm. Anything also outside bisexuality. Of, yeah. Also, and, yeah. if and, one of the partners or both of the partners are bisexual, if you're poly, and those are all parts of ethical non-monogamy or, or facets of ethical non-monogamy. And if everybody thinks that the vanilla relationships are tough, get involved in ethical non-monogamy. And then you talk about amping up the conversations, amping up the communication. It's it's just, it's tremendous how much communication it takes to be successful in a relationship like that. Yeah, I agree. I also think we should talk about like on a societal level, how all of this starts to shift and change. Hopefully for the better, very quickly. I think that for me anyway, and maybe it's because we're so immersed in this space, it seems like there's some momentum. It seems like things are moving in the right direction in terms of what people's perception of sexuality and monogamy is and non-monogamy. What does it really mean? Like people understand monogamy, of course, but they also now it seems like a lot more people understand that it's not the only option. It's simply an option. Right. Not the only option. And what do you think about male sexuality, though? Do you think that's also starting to move in the right direction? Because we've talked many times. We've talked on our other podcasts. We've talked to lifestylers ad nauseum, basically, about this concept of women are almost um, not expected to be bisexual, but it's almost as if a woman comes out as bisexual. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Versus if a man does it, it's a very different reaction. Very different. So people have a very guttural, visceral reaction to men that are bisexual, for sure, or homosexual, whatever the case may be. Two women embracing in public and kissing at a club, very normal, right? Everybody's seen that. Right. How, many, how many people have really seen two guys kissing each other and not been taken aback? Not a lot of people. I've never seen a, a couple aside from like a gay couple. Yeah. Oh, I certainly have seen that. I mean, but again, you know, we came up in different times and grew up in different different ways. And it was never strange to me because I, I grew up with it. So the idea of two men embracing one another is not an unusual concept for me. Most people, particularly my age, they just they have an aversion to it. You know, so I think as it pertains to men's sexuality and men becoming more comfortable with their sexuality, we're probably about 10 years away from guys really just being more okay with it. We need a, They need another 10 years to get through, to get closer to your generation. Do you think women are more, more okay with male sexuality 100%. and them expressing it than other men are? 100%. Women find it, at least in my experience, women who are themselves open sexual creatures and have no problem being empowered as such they look at men who are openly sexual and they can express their sexuality and they embrace it. Find something trustworthy about a man who can be in touch with their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a truthfulness. It's refreshing, I think. Yeah, but there's a truthfulness in a man who can say comfortably that he is bisexual, that he is very comfortable in his own skin. And 
that doesn't doesn't exacerbate what is considered heteronormative masculinity you know for sure i also think that there's something to be said for the fact that there are a lot of men out there that and not to completely generalize but typically speaking and study after study have supported this so this is not just an opinion on my part but a man who is sincerely or very steadfast against homosexuality, bisexuality from another man, very much like, oh, I don't want a man ever touching me. Right. Those very uh, serious reactions to male-on-male physicalities are typically harboring themselves some sort of bisexual or homosexual feelings and are therefore it's almost like a self-hatred thing and they yeah. outwardly express that and like i said that is a, that's a study that's many studies that have been done on this yeah, subject for years that's been a topic of conversation it's a and it's a large percentage and it definitely is it's a it's a self a self-loathing kind of situation and it's one of those things that is so repressed that they are they're angry about it because they're afraid that on some level they're going to be found out Right. Like somehow someone can see inside their mind and know that they've had, you know, bisexual or homosexual thoughts before, you know, and, and it becomes this real kind of, you know, visceral, physical kind of reaction. Or worse yet, they are jealous of the fact that other people have gotten to the point where they have the courage to express that. And the fact that they How many themselves... Times have we heard that? Yeah, they themselves are not at that point makes them feel horrible about themselves. We hear it all the time. Yep. People are jealous, you know, we're so jealous of your relationship and how you're so open with each other and all that we hear it all the time. Yeah. You know, being able to be honest with yourself and then with your partner or partners, again, there's just a cathartic component to that that's kind of difficult for people to wrap their heads around until they've lived it. Yeah. For sure. I agree. I think there's also something very sexy about a man who can just like outwardly express his sexuality well it I comes down to confidence it's a level of confidence you know I, I know it's one of those things where this is who i am this is what i i'm about if that's a problem for you hit the road yeah i also think the vast majority of men that i've met that are outwardly bisexual homosexual uh pansexual are very they exude a certain level of sexual energy and i think part of it is because they've just completely come to terms with what it is they want and they're going after it and therefore they feel less uh, boxed in right. than a lot of completely straight men do well or again men who are on the surface straight but have those tendencies that they simply cannot discuss or feel like they can't express and they're very much pent up those are the ones that have the most you know, the obvious guttural reactions to those things. And those are the guys that are probably harboring the most. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a, again, I, as I told you earlier today, I, I feel for people like that. I feel like that's a really tough spot to be in when you're willing to have indiscriminate sex with someone behind a department store dumpster because you don't think you can talk to your partner. That really lends itself to a much bigger issue as far as I'm concerned, which is you're not communicating with your partner anyway. So if you're not able to communicate with your partner, there's other issues at, at afoot, you know, not, not the least of which, of course, is your sexuality. Uh, but that's that's kind of a telling thing. Almost like I said, they, they want to get caught. It's easier if I get caught. I don't want to go home and tell my wife. I don't want to tell my partner that this is who I am and this is what I need. I'd rather just roll the dice and see what happens. Yeah, but you what's know? the worst that could happen? Yeah, well, that's the thing we were talking theory, about this morning too. What what is the absolute worst that could happen at the end of the day if you truly have this thing that you're like, this is who I am. I need to express it. I need to have these physical interactions. I need to do something with this energy I have. 
if that is truly the point that you're at, what is the worst thing that could happen by saying saying it and being honest to your partner? The worst thing that happens is that is that that relationship comes to an end, and if it does come to an end, hopefully it becomes it ends amicably. But if it does end, it ends for all the right reasons because you're simply not where you should be. You're not in the place in which you should be. Yeah, you know, and I get it. People are always concerned. You know, there's kids involved. I get that, but kids aren't fools. They understand that there's something going on between mommy and daddy or daddy and daddy and mommy and mommy and something's not right. And if you can come clean, it really does make things a lot easier in the end. Not always in the beginning, but certainly in the end, everybody just gets what they want. And that's the key is just get what you want. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not easy. It's tough. The alternative is really not pleasant. Yeah. Well, We've what's the it. alternative besides meeting Living guys a, behind dumpsters? Well, yeah, that's the that's part of the alternative. But the alternative is leading a, a living a life that is frankly a lie, and you have to harbor that for your for forever, and that lends itself to being a really miserable place to be. Yeah. You know, you're hiding, you're keeping a secret. At least you're hoping you're keeping a secret. Right. And it's uh, it's got to just be tough. Yeah. Those are the people you see at the grocery store. Well, not now because we're all wearing masks, but those are the people you used to see at like the grocery store and they just had this look on their face of like... We see it all the time. Just defeat. Complete and utter defeat. Yeah, I see They can't look you in the eye. They're hanging their heads wherever they walk. I mean, you just know those are the people that have a desire, have a need that is completely unfulfilled. How many times have we been out and we were, we were just, and the, the time that most is in my mind most is was not too long ago. It was fairly recent. It was around the 4th of July. We were out of town. We were in a cute little town not too far from us that we like to visit. And we were sitting at a bar, a restaurant at a table. And there was a, a couple, older couple sitting not too far away from us, not talking to each other. They were focused on us. They were literally looking and staring at us because we we're f- having fun and we're kissing on each other and hugging and just Flirting laughing and singing and- the music. We had great, they were playing great music and they're just glaring at us. Mm-hmm. And you just know that this is a couple that has been miserable for years. They're just not happy with one another, probably not happy with themselves personally. And is there some underlying sexual thing going on there? Maybe, but more than anything else, they were harboring really just this resentment at how happy we were because they themselves were not. It was very obvious. Yeah. You know, and at one point they got up and left. It was just like they were so put off by our being gregarious that they were like, they just couldn't take it. Yeah. Imagine being that miserable that you can't be around people that are happy. No. That's I tough. can't. That's tough. That's got to be a tough place to be. And unfortunately, it's a lot more people than not, I think. So I think we should wrap this up in a bow like we uh, always try to do. It's a, a far more complicated topic than, complicated. than we're going to be able to wrap up in a quick little paragraph here. But I think, you know, no matter what it is that you want, understand, first of all, that I, I honest, I truly honestly believe that if everyone out there was honest about their wants and needs and desires, they would want something outside of quote unquote the norm, whether yes. it's non-monogamy, whether it's polyamory, whether it's bisexuality, whether it's pegging, whether it's prostitution state massages you name it you if you have this desire you are so far from not alone oh yeah huge huge community of folks in your boat yes huge yes and i think that you can be equally as happy as the people out there living their truths if you start to work toward an honesty with your partner or even with yourself this goes also for the single people that are dating have the courage to be honest with the people that you're meeting with people you're dating about who it is 
that you are and what it is that you want. Because if you don't, God, you're just, it's, it's no existence to live. And you just, you really do have to do it. Now, I will also say, like we said earlier in the show, keep in mind, if your relationship isn't in a good place right now, if, if it's not a healthy relationship, it may not be met with as much enthusiasm or support as you would like. And that's why it, you should be more motivated than ever before to really work on your relationship or walk away from it. Yeah, because there's a good chance that part of the reason that relationship is failing or isn't happy is because of you, because you are not being honest with yourself, therefore not being honest with your partner. That is filtering over into the relationship. You're harboring some resentment. You've got some ill will there. Those things come out in different ways, in various forms, and it's probably having a, a taking a toll on your relationship. And listen, take it from someone again, who's four times divorced, been through many relationships, Uh, every single one of those relationships ended basically the same way because I was restless and unhappy with myself and where I was and what I wanted and not being able to be honest with what I needed. And then finally finding the relationship that makes sense for me, that is the most, the the relationship that, that I should have had my entire life and the honesty, the honesty and the communication and the trust and all those things that I've been missing for my entire adult life. And until you do that, you truly don't understand how difficult a life you've been living, yeah. you know, how difficult your relationships are and how much easier they could have been. Yeah, it's you like know? it's like walking around with like sandbags attached to all of your limbs and then you finally just let go yeah, of it's all just of them. <laughs> your, yeah, it's your feet are in quicksand. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. You just lose a little bit more of yourself every day. And the truth of the matter is, you're not being fair to your partner either. Right. Because if your partner is not open and willing to accept you for who you are, fine. You need to give them the opportunity to find someone that they're looking for. You know, and the truth of the matter is you not being honest with them up front because you haven't been able to be honest with yourself, you've kind of let them down a path. You made them think you were something you were not. And that's not who you are. Not entirely your fault. We understand that it's not easy. We just talked about it for an hour. But if you you do have to have some understanding of why your partner is upset when they get upset about what you're about to tell them. Yeah. You have to be you have to understand why they're upset. I am sure that we have a lot of lifestylers right now shaking their heads yes 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 to everything we're saying because they're on the other side of it now and they understand completely what we're talking about. For those of you who are not yet in the lifestyle or not yet 100% living your truth, I hope this episode has helped in some small way. Also, please keep in mind, we do one-on-one coaching around all of these things, around sexuality, around non-monogamy, around desires, fantasies, discussions, all of that. And all of the uh, information on that can be found at sexonyourterms.com. So please make sure you check us out there. You can also email us at sexonyourterms at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you there. You can find us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at sexonyourterms. And um, that's what we've got this week. Yes, we really appreciate everybody tuning in. Absolutely. And until next time, we hope you enjoy sex on your terms.